On today's show, Nestor Cortez Jr. is the talk of Major League Baseball, and with good reason, we'll discuss his season so far. And have we gotten past the point of questioning whether he's legit or not? Plus, the Yankees are getting ready to play a quick two-game series against the Blue Jays. We'll preview that series and look at the pitching matchups. And is it too early to look at the standings? Absolutely. But we're going to do it anyway, because the AL East looks kind of weird right now, and it's going to be fun to discuss this. All next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yankees fans, welcome to Locked on Yankees, which is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'm host hosted? No, I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Mastracco. We'd like to thank you for making Locked on Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, and please hit the like button and comment if you feel so inclined. And when you get into your car... You can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. Abby, how are we doing on this Tuesday afternoon yeah. in New York? You know, nobody's doing as good as Nestor Cortez this week. <laughs> He's really... We might be doing okay, but Nestor Cortez, he is having himself a week. He really is the talk of baseball. People that you wouldn't expect to talk about Nestor Cortez Jr. are talking about him. It's, uh, like, it's just fun. a quick like, Twitter search. And everybody, everybody loves the guy. I mean, it is. It's a great story. Like it, it's, it's a story of perseverance and you and trusting your stuff and a mustache. <laughs> I know. Like I said, I've said this on many shows before. Never shave the mustache. I feel like this, the mustache is where the power is and the the magic. And if something happens to that mustache, it might be a problem. So he needs to keep it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always a fun story. Now. When you see a journeyman like that, and especially, you know, I mean, it used to be Nestor Cortez Jr. and Chad Green coming out of the bullpen, and now Nestor Cortez Jr. is like the ace of the starting rotation for the Yankees yeah. so far. You know, yes, it's only May, but we've gotten to the point now where he's pitched long enough last season and this season to think that this isn't a fluke, that this is actually him right now, which is cool. I think so. I think we've seen a big enough sample size. Yeah. It's funny watching everybody on Twitter be like, who's the real ace in New York? Is it Jacob deGrom? Is it Garrett Cole? No, it's Nestor Cortez. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody saw coming. Yeah. It's true. We didn't see this coming. Um, you know, he was DFA'd. He was traded for bonus pool money, which is like sort of a dubious honor. It's like the lowest thing. Like you were traded for bonus pool money. That's just sort of like, I'm not even a player to be named later. Like you were traded for some cash that paid for a 16 year old two years later. You know, like he he's sort of he's been around. Yeah. But he's figured it out this time and he's got an unconventional delivery and an unconventional look. And I, I know I talked about it a few weeks ago. He takes the subway to the stadium. Stay on a public transportation king. Uh so Yeah. It's just like yeah, and we don't get to see a lot of the personality of, like, Cole or DeGrom or, like, the big-time pitchers. Like, you know, Scherzer's Mad Max. He's got that demeanor. But, like, off the mound, we don't really get to see a lot of his personality. And it's kind of cool that Nestor Cortez is, like, he's just sort of like this guy. He's just like this guy. And, like, you know, he had the, didn't he have Bronxy the Turtle last year? Was that him? 
Yep. Yeah. And like, I always say like my favorite people to interview and in like across all sports are relief pitchers. I think maybe he sort of has that demeanor of he's just like, oh, I'm just throwing a baseball for a living. Like, let's chat. Yeah. Uh, he's not afraid to be himself, as we've seen with the mustache. And I just I, I like how this like character has emerged. Yeah, because you, 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 you actually yeah, you actually just said it because he had a quote yesterday where he said, you know, I've been playing baseball since mm-hmm. I'm four and I don't really know how to do anything else. So I'm happy that this is working out for me so far. <laughs> It's, it's just like, I don't know. He's like kind of not New York. Like New York is this like, you know, you've got like Gotham, the ace. Like you have, you know, look at what Matt Harvey was. Like you just have these like Im- imposing guys on the mound, these like big dudes throwing 100 miles an hour at you. And then you got Nestor Cortez with his turtle and his mustache jumping off the subway, sometimes throwing sidearm, dropping that arm angle down a little bit. And, and occasionally touching like, 93, which is kind yeah, of rare. Okay. <laughs> At the highest, he's hitting 93, and he's still fooling everybody. And we'll talk about why he's fooling everybody in in just a minute. But I just like this character is like he's he's a, he's a character, yeah. and he's just it's so like not the New York ace, you know, which is why I love it. He's like kind of going against the grain, not afraid to be himself and show some personality. Yeah, he made a lot of Rangers batters look silly yesterday, and. You know, we were talking about the deception. Now, the one person I wasn't expecting to say something about Nestor Cortez Jr. and why his pitches are so deceptive was Andrew McCutcheon, who tweeted about it yesterday. And people were actually, I I like when players tweet stuff like this, because some people were like, we really appreciate when you guys say things like this, because we kind of get a glimpse into what it's like actually being a baseball player and having to deal with pitchers like this. He said, Nestor Cortez's fastball plays up, meaning his 91 to 94 actually feels like 97. Mix that with him messing with a hitter's timing, throwing from different arm angles, and locating well, he can be very difficult to hit, and he showed that today. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool, like, peek behind behind the curtain of... I I, I appreciate Andrew McCutcheon always. He's been known to sort of you know, use social media to give fans um, a different perspective, a perspective that, you know, they might give us through the media sometimes or through reporters like me, but it's just interesting to hear from them um, without having kind of a, a filter, you know, sometimes when you're talking to the media, they're trying to sound, they're trying to sound good, but when they're tweeting it on their own, they're just trying to, they're just giving their honest thoughts sometimes. Um, right. So I, I thought that was a really interesting. I mean, the first thing that's always jumped out at, at me about Nestor Cortez is the way that he drops his arm angle down. Like he really, I, I was watching him in a game last year and I wasn't very familiar with him at the time. And I was like, is he fooling around with pitches? Is he like, is he trying to figure this out? And I think it was Lindsay. Lindsay was like, no, he just throws from different angles. Like mm-hmm. that's just his thing. And he, he's got a couple different pitches that he throws from a couple different angles and he's successful with them. And, you just don't know when he's going to drop that down and you don't know, I guess if it plays up, yeah, it's really going to mess with a lot of timing and that's going to mess with your eye. If you're, if you're dropping your arm down occasionally. Yeah. And you know, I spoke about this yesterday and I've spoken about it before we've spoken about it. The fact that he can fool you with the velocity being low and with so many of these guys being used to facing a Cole who averages 98 you know, in his fastball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the four seamer 
averaging 98, where Nestor Cortez yesterday, his four-seamer was averaging barely 91, where his max was 93, and his lowest four-seam fastball was 87.5. So it's there's really a big difference. Command your pitches if you're not throwing that hard. I mean, you do have to learn how to command if you're throwing hard. Look, you can't be throwing a guy. We're seeing this a lot right now with sort of a lack of command in these big fireballers that the ball's getting away, going at people's heads. Yes, you have to command your pitches at any at any velocity, but it's really important because at a, if you're not throwing 95 miles an hour to be able to command your pitches because those are just going to look like giant meatballs coming straight down Broadway. Right. Yeah. But no. he really he really trusts his stuff which is important. Oh yeah. As, as wild and as unconventional as his, as some of his stuff looks and as unconventional as his style is, he really trusts it. And it's tough because there's a lot of players who they persevere through a lot. Like he did DFA, you know, being traded for bonus pool money. They bounced around the leagues and they still have a lot of trust in their stuff and they just never get there and their stuff never plays. They, they're what we call like a 4A or a quad A guy. In hockey, we call them a tweener. You know, they are really good in AAA, but at the major league level, their stuff just doesn't play. Mm-hmm. They're just not, they, they don't have what it takes. Like, it's not that they personally don't have what it takes because it's really tough to bounce around the minor leagues for years. And like into your late 20s, even or early 30s, you see, you see a lot of guys who have become like career minor leaguers or they're going over to Korea to play. And it, they play in one or two major league games and they their stuff just doesn't have that edge. Like they're right at that 4A sort of marker there. Yeah. But Nestor Cortez, he's got that stuff. And he struggled early in his career and he's managed to figure it out maybe through some unconventional ways. And I think everything about him is unconventional and I just like that. Yeah. But it's just, it's a, it's such a great story. I know I keep saying that, but I really like seeing these story, these journeyman having their moment and he's having a big moment. First pitcher in Yankees history with at least 40 strikeouts and six runs or fewer allowed in his first six games of the season. That's pretty good. Considering their history and the people that they've had on their pitching staff in that history. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's his, I mean, 1.41 ERA. It's the second and the second best in the American League. When I looked earlier, is that still the case? Are there, there's no games going on right now. I don't think so. He has his own T-shirt. His teammates wear that T-shirt. I mean, it's just amazing. That's an honor. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, now, unfortunately, we won't see Nestor Cortez Jr. in the next two games. The Yankees are starting a two-game series with the Blue Jays on Tuesday night, and right now the Yankees are in first place. The Jays are in third, and if you wanted to you know maybe bet on where each team would finish at the end of the regular season you should check out betonline.net because betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs the beginning of the mlb season and i said it yesterday if you had the 80 to 1 odd horse in the Kentucky Derby. You did really well yesterday. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to find out more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Thanks for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, where you get recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts who are taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So this is a quick little two-game series with the Blue Jays. The Yankees and the Blue Jays have played a lot. The Yankees don't even see the Rays, I think, until June, which is really strange. I don't like the schedule so far with the way it's playing out because I don't like when the J- the Rays and the Yankees are backloaded because that just means bad things for the Yankees. But, yeah, this is interesting. So tonight, you say Kikuchi against Luis Severino, and I say this all the time. Every other start against the Kikuchi, the Yankees either do well or don't do well. They didn't do well the last time they faced him last week, so it'll be interesting to see which version of the Yankees' offense shows up tonight against Kikuchi? Is it the one that does okay against him, or is it the one from the third game of the Toronto series that couldn't do anything against him? I don't know. The one that I'm more interested in is is the next game after that tie-on versus Jose Barrios. Barrios has underperformed, really, you could say, so far this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his numbers, you know, I said it in our, you know, we write up a little rundown before we do the show. So we know what we're talking about, people. You know, this is a podcast. We have to know what we're talking about. And his ERA is above five. Yeah, 5.34. And that's. hmm. Yeah, he's two and one with a 5.34 ERA. So it's just kind of strange. And his strikeout numbers aren't bad for as many starts as he's made. So it's just interesting that the ERA is so bloated compared to everything else. Um, I wouldn't say it was a an instance of getting used to being on a new team because he's been there a little bit. It's just, you know, working out his stuff. You know, some of these guys are still affected by the short spring training. And, you know, even though we're about a month into the season – you're going to see some guys finally maybe correcting some things heading into May and June. And, you know, no offense to Barrios, but hopefully he won't do it against the Yankees <laughs> tomorrow I mean, afternoon. His, his away ERA is even more bloated than his home ERA, than his overall ERA. 5-7-4 on the road. 1-1, one 5-7-4. One, and against the Yankees, he's he's already pitched five innings this year and allowed three earned runs, two hmm. home runs. Three walks, five strikeouts. That's, uh, I just wasn't expecting this from him this year. Yeah. I wasn't. I, I mean, I watched him pitch a couple times last year, and I just, I, yeah, if you had asked me for, if you'd asked Sitting me for like a. nothing lead, regardless of where the there Tigers There's the autoplay video. God, I hate when the websites do that. It's so annoying. I apologize to all the websites I work for that do autoplay videos, but stop it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you had asked me this year for like some of the top pitching candidates in the AL East, I would have said Jose Barrios is up there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's now, the one that I'm more interested to see. I I understand your concerns with Kikuchi, but I'm curious to see that Tyon um, Barrios matchup. Because Tyon's been good. Tyone's been very good. Yeah. You know, coming back from that injury, you know, I've said this before, they weren't really expecting him to start on time. And they said that. And even with the delay in the season, I thought when they said he wasn't going to start on time that he you weren't going to see him until May um, because of the surgery he had on his ankle. And he's looked great. <laughs> he looks like the Tyone that the Yankees took a chance on when they got him. Um, you know, and when he 
came over to the Yankees. He was still coming back from the second Tommy John. He was still working his way back in. And I feel like sort of a project at that point. Right. Like him and Kluber were the two projects that they got last season. Yeah. And it still feels weird that they took the the like reclamation projects or like what the Yankees were going for. But that's a conversation for no. We've had those conversations. We don't need to keep rehashing them. Yeah. But Tyone looks more like the pitcher that like he was in Pittsburgh before all of the injuries. And that's what the Yankees were banking on. Yeah. And, and looks credit to them and credit to their scouting. They saw something in his pitching and his delivery that led them to believe that he would be able to bounce back from all of the, from all those injuries. He's had a lot of injuries. The second Tommy John though is sort of the key because the ankles a fluke. Right. Um, yeah. That's fine. I feel but, like he, it feels like when you watch him, especially this season and especially I would say like his last two starts, he looks more sure of himself. You know, my problem with Tyone last year was that he'd look good for a couple of innings, then there'd be a bad inning, and then he would bounce right back. And now it feels like there is no bad inning, and it feels like he's really sure of him of, of his stuff and how he feels. And I feel like that's a really big key for him. And if he can stay healthy, you know, it's not so much Garrett Cole and other guys in the rotation because Garrett Cole is coming around again mm-hmm. – also, and, you know, you have Cole, you have Cortez, you have Tyone, you have Seve. That's a strong group of four pitchers right there. And then Jordan Montgomery. Poor Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> you know, I he did. I wonder, though, what, how, if, if, like, I just, I wonder about the depth. Because, like, if, if one domino falls, like, there's inevitably going to be injuries. I still sure. would like to see more starting depth. Yeah just to fortify things a little bit more insurance insurance policy let's call it insurance policy right and some of the guys down in AAA that they would like to be an insurance policy uh namely davy garcia having a rough time in AAA. his numbers are atrociously bad and one of my friends was talking about you know how he he looks so good when he first came up and now he looks like a completely different pitcher and he's just getting batted around and i don't know if i wonder if his size has something to do with it maybe cuz he is small but there are other he is but like but once you figure out some of those small guys like you figure them out yeah and they're not as effective yeah and that's a bummer cuz he's like someone they're... who could fortify the rotation and be like a sixth guy but they also have Clark Schmidt um who i think I think they said they were going to bring him up for Thursday because they don't have a starter for Thursday against the White Sox. And I believe Boone had mentioned him on Sunday as a possibility for that. So they also have him. They had to send him down after, um, was it after the doubleheader? I can't remember when he was sent down or was it before that? But Clark Schmidt is another option coming out of AAA for now. So I just, I'm amazed by Nestor Cortez Jr. and the bullpen. The bullpen has been unbelievable, and I joked about it yesterday. We knew that that was going to be the thing with this team. We knew that this yes. this has been a bullpen team for five years. Yeah, but some of the guys, though, you know, uh, you know, we keep saying it all the time with Clay Holmes. Like he's just he leads the team in wins, by the way, with four, which is the funniest thing ever because he's, you know, they always bring him in when they need, like you know, when the offense doesn't score for the starters and they need someone to come in, and then the the offense scores and then he gets the win. Um, Michael King giving up a home run yesterday. My God, if you didn't hear me scream from where you live, I'm surprised because it was such a shocking thing. And I said that on the show yesterday. I'll say it again. I couldn't. I said, wait, did Michael King just give that up? What what is happening right now? 
how dare you, Brad Miller? How dare you do that to Michael King? Um, his ERA is now a bloated 1.42. My goodness. <laughs> but when you look at the Yankees' bullpen, for all the complaining I do about Aroldis Chapman, he still doesn't have an ERA. And I warned yesterday, it's going to happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen because he's not going to have a zero ERA the whole season. He could have had it blown up that one game where he couldn't get anyone out, but they were able to end the game after he left and it didn't affect his ERA. But yeah, the Yankees pitching is just, that's why they're in first place. It's the pitch. You want to talk about the standings now? Um, We will in a second. (laughs) We will. Yeah, we will in a second, because uh, first, tomorrow's a day game, which it's 1235, I believe, is what I saw on Yankees.com, which is kind of shocking. So it's a getaway day for both teams. And uh, tomorrow's show will be a post-game reaction. So it'll be later in the afternoon. Hopefully, it'll be a good um, reaction. And uh, yeah, so tomorrow, my apologies. Yeah, Yankees. We're trying to see if the other Rangers can salvage their season against Sidney Crosby and Louis Domingue, the breakout goalie of the playoffs. I mean, Igor Shesterkin's a MVP candidate, and then he gets outplayed by veteran journeyman Louis Domingue. If you had told me Louis Domingue would be beating an MVP candidate in the playoffs two years ago when I covered Domingue playing garbage games on the Devils, I, I don't think I'd believe you. I'd be like, nice guy. Um, He's quite the character, but like, he's just a guy. You're like, right. He's not an all-world. He's not a world-beating goalie. But Igor Shesterkin is not playing like a the world-beating goalie we all thought he was. Yeah, a lot I mean, of the weird things. Trying to see, trying to see if the Rangers can keep their season alive. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things happening this season. You know, if the 2022 Red Sox were a car, they'd be a car that didn't get their parts at Rock Auto, because we're going to discuss the ALE standings in a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, but chooses only the brand the warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so yeah the al east looks a little strange at the moment and yes we will preface this segment with the fact that it's way too early to even do this but we're still doing it anyway to look at the standings until after memorial day no it's fun because um things are blowing up in boston Meaning yeah, they're already one. they're already turning on Trevor's story. We're only a month into the season and they're writing columns about him. People are booing him every five seconds. They're that poor dude in their last 10 games. Yeah, they're they're in last place behind the Orioles, which is hilarious, but it's not going to stay that way. And I said this on yesterday's show. At least I don't think it is. I really don't. It's the Red Sox. They'll turn things around. But for right now, it's fun. It's fun to watch. <laughs> I I can't help myself. It is. And poor Sully, he DM'd me yesterday. Um, Sully, the host of Locked On MLB, in case you don't know who I'm discussing, but you should because I mention his podcast every damn show. 
He's a big Red Sox fan, and he likes razzing me on 2004, no matter what podcast I appear on. And he was complaining about Nestor Cortez Jr. and how he can't hate him. He's like, I hate that I can't hate him. This bothers me so much as a Red Sox fan that there's nothing that I, the only thing I can hate about him is that he's doing so well. But other than that, he's like the kind of guy that any team would want right now. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's Yankees first to 20 in the AL East. Kind of cool. Rays, Jays, Red Sox, Orioles. Now the Orioles, I mean, Orioles, Red Sox. Sox. What we all expected, pretty much, was the top four teams being bunched up at the top and the Orioles being way down below. And it could still end up that way because there's a lot of baseball to go. I haven't been very impressed with the Red Sox in the two games that I watched. They're not looking good at all. No. Two and ten in in their last ten. And that schedule wasn't exactly like, what was their schedule? I I, I watched a game last week. And it just felt like they were giving up. Yeah. Yes. Like they were giving and up I, when things didn't go their way. Right. Yeah. And that's, you don't want to see that from a team. I mean, even was, though it's only May, you don't want to see that from a team. Like There was a couple at bats where like, it looked like a few of their hitters could have, I, I, and look, I was just watching it in between morning skate and it was a day game and I was watching in between a morning skate and a game. So like, forgive me for not remembering the exact specifics, but it just mm-hmm. looked like there's a few tough at bats to a few tough defensive plays. And then you could tell by their body language, they were just like sort of apathetic about it and get, I mean, yeah, get, they weren't getting angry, but they were just like annoyed. They were giving up. Like yeah. keep fighting through those, those at bats. Don't just swing at everything. Right. Yeah. They've had sort of a difficult schedule with like the, you know, they had the Blue Jays a couple times, Twins. Okay, they got two wins against the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did lose that, that really awful game way. against Baltimore in Baltimore. Yeah. Where the, the pitcher threw the ball away in the, what was it, the 10th inning? And the Orioles walked off. And that was just like, whoa, that's, you don't want to see that at all. If like you're, they're losing series, they're, they're, they're losing series. They're just, I don't know, lackluster. Yeah. yeah. Trevor Story hasn't been, I mean, maybe the Coors effect was real because he did have such drastic home and road splits, but he's not even hitting above the Mendoza line. Yeah. And, you know, they did sign him for a good chunk of change. And, you know, the knock on him was the Coors effect. And a lot of people, other than the money reason, you know, some people were saying that the Yankees were looking at him, but they... They probably were thinking, okay, LeMayhew seems to be a special case because he came out of cores and did better. <laughs> and the splits were so dramatic with story that the Yankees were probably like, mm, mm, yeah, no. And I know a lot of people were upset about story going to the Red Sox. Like, it wasn't just that the Yankees didn't get him. It was just him going to the Red Sox. And especially because it happened right after Correa went to the Twins and it was clear that the Yankees weren't really upgrading too much but hey Isaiah Kiner-Falefa he plays fine at shortstop does pretty well you know there'll be an occasional bust up but he's doing better than he was you know the first week I think it was really jitters for him because he grew up liking the Yankees and that's I would imagine if you grew up liking the Yankees there's extra pressure on you because you watched this team when you were a kid and you feel like you need to do really well and I think that's what was happening to him early um 
you know, I don't mind seeing him come up in big situations because, you know, maybe he'll dink a single somewhere and, you know, you, you don't expect him to hit the ball 500 feet, but he's pretty consistent and I don't mind seeing him at short now, especially he's because it's three runs this year. Yeah. Because he's it keeps Glaber Torres runs. out of short. <laughs> he has three defensive runs saved. Yeah. Yeah. 2.2 UZR. I mean, he is, a, he's, he's saving. That is what you need from an infielder is for them, is them for, to save you some runs. Right. And we were talking about the Yankees shoring up the defense because the pitching was already good. And you see it in the games that were close over the last week where you see these neat and tidy games where maybe the offense isn't doing much, but the defense is preventing runs from scoring, the pitching also preventing runs from scoring, and the Yankees have a chance to win because, or in spite of, the offense not doing well because of the defense and the pitching. And maybe Brian Cashman knew what he was doing, and maybe I shouldn't have yelled at him. Well, I mean, the defense was so bad last year. No, it really was. It was, it was so awful. bad last year that it, it was pretty glaringly obvious they had to do something about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think Brian Cashman was just going to completely ignore the defensive side of the baseball. I mean, yeah, we've talked about how last year their philosophy was that they could out-hit mistakes, and it turns out they could not out-hit all of their mistakes. Nope. Especially when they weren't hitting. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean. But I, that's the difference so far this year. The difference is... When the offense isn't showing up, it's actually, you know, the defense is actually doing its job, preventing runs from scoring. The pitching is preventing runs from scoring. You don't see sloppy stuff in the field. And the Yankees, you want the offense to snap out of it. They've been kind of mm, since the last game in Toronto, plus the three games off, the the three days off, the one off day, and then the two uh, days banged by rain didn't really help because that doesn't help an offense. It may help the pitchers rest, but it doesn't help an offense. So they're kind of sputtering a little bit. Hopefully it'll pick up at some point this week because, uh, as I said, I don't want this to be the roller coaster ride. But the Yankees are still winning. They've won six consecutive series. The only series they've dropped this season is that one against Baltimore Easter weekend. And, you know, that's keeping them atop the AL East. Again, it's early, but this is a good sign because when they play this well early in the season, historically – They've done well. And if they stay healthy, it could be a surprising year for the Yankees and, you know, people rooting for the Yankees thinking, okay, well, maybe we'll second or third, we'll get into the playoffs because the AL East is so hard. And who knows? I mean, maybe it might be a totally different thing. I love your optimism. So rare. It is so rare for me. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Your optimism like ebbs and flows as the Yankees season ebbs and flows. Of course. Like it's it's also your optimism on like life too. Like true. Yankees are doing well. You're in a good mood. Yes, that helps sometimes. But young (laughs) kids listening to this, doom and gloom of the world seems to like fade away just a little bit when the Yankees are winning. Yes, just a little bit. But I will give people advice. Do not let sports affect your personal life. I used to do that when I was younger. I've gotten better. I've let, you know, tough losses. I mean, you know, Jose Altuve hits that walk-off in the 2019 ALCS, and five minutes later, I was fine. If that had happened in 2009, I probably would have punched a wall. I'm not kidding. So, you know, you just got to, you know. Like Ted Lasso says, be a goldfish. (laughs) Be a goldfish, Yankee fans. There's a lot of games left to play. 
That is true. Uh, but for right now, hey, just keep enjoying watching them. They're doing well, even when certain aspects of the team aren't doing well. The other ones are picking them up, and that's what you want to see. So, like I said, quick two-game series against the Blue Jays tonight, tomorrow afternoon. So tomorrow's show will be um, evening, depending on how long. Hopefully the game won't be long. Hopefully it'll be a neat and tidy, you know, three, three-and-a-half-hour show. Uh, no, game. Hopefully yeah, it'll be a show, show for the offense. It's a show. Yeah, it could be a it's show. Entertainment. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, the Yankees play the White Sox. And we'll preview that probably on Thursday because that makes the most sense. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Abby and I would like to remind you that you can listen to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well. I'm trying to get better at uh, answering your comments, so please keep doing that. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Now make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We'd really appreciate it. So enjoy your Tuesday, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. 